0: Well, this morning, I'm continuing our series on Colossians. Um, it's actually our final one. It's the last one in the series, chapter four. And I wanted to start by uh, with a quote, just to kind of place this series a little bit. Maybe you haven't been here for all four weeks. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you have, but I just wanted to frame it a little bit. So this is a quote from Tim Keller. It's up here on the screen. And it says, it's a description of christianity it says christianity at its core is a movement of people who've who have encountered the love and grace of god and are compelled to share that love with others now when this love is lived out in the world it has the potential to bring about profound transformation and renewal and i think this quote for me highlights three really important things i've got it on the next slide firstly We have this personal experience this personal encounter with god and that's our prayer for everyone here and that's the mystery of christ that he encounters us everyone where we are the second thing is we have this response we're called we're compelled by that encounter to live a life of love and i think that's why paul wrote this letter and that's why we're here this morning we're actually here to cheer each other on and champion one another as we try to work out what that's like to live a life of love and then the hope, the goal, the end goal is transformation of, the, of creation. And as Hannah so beautifully put it, we want all creation to declare the goodness of God. All creation to be transformed, to experience heaven on earth. So this, this letter we're looking at today was written to the church at Colossae. I think that's how you say it. And it was, encouraged, it was an encouragement to them and it was meant to be spread around to different churches in the area. So today we're going to be looking and just summing up some of those themes we've covered over the last um, four weeks and picking out some of those themes and I'll be going through the last chapter and hopefully highlighting some of those again. So let's start. In Colossians chapter 4. Verse two to four, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. So I think the first point that that stood out to me as I was reading through this is this call to be a community or people who pray. So this alternate life that we've been, we've given this heading, alternate life that Colossians, the letter to Colossians invites us to, a key part of that is living a life of prayer. I find, I don't know about you, but I find prayer one of those really challenging practices. I find it tough. I'm um, a person who's on, I have a high need for competence in my life and I like to know that I do things well. Anyone else with me, like uni, i really like getting good grades because it tells me i'm good like i get value out of that and and prayer i think i find hard i'd rather read you know you can read i read a whole chapter this morning you know you can feel good about that it's something you can rest your hat on i'm not saying this is healthy by the way i'm just telling you i'm just this is just a moment of confession um maybe that's why i really love the lord's prayer because it's like this is how jesus told me to pray i say that i'm doing it right right prayer can be this mystery um It can be a bit stressful i guess it can be you know there's times of um silence where you just feel like you're just kind of talking you don't feel like actually you're engaging in a conversation with god it can be disheartening when things aren't answered when you see hardship and you know things in the world that don't seem fair or right and you're praying for a breakthrough and and nothing seems to shift prayer can be really disheartening can get us down But i guess deep down i know that that prayer is so much more than just a shopping list it's this mysterious thing a mystery that we're invited into that there's a god who loves us so much that would actually become human to know us and that we'd know god's character to reveal himself to us and that god wants this relationship with us so it's something that we've got to practice no matter how we're feeling And Paul Paul emphasizes this here. We've got to live this life of prayer. And I think it's so important even today because in a society that encourages independence and going it alone, I think prayer reminds us of dependence on, on, on him. It reminds us to trust. In a society that encourages achievement and pride, guilty, prayer encourages humility. It encourages alignment with his purposes, In a society that encourages um, stress, stressful society we live in, prayer offers peace. In a culture that appears to be propagating anxiety, prayer suggests surrender. And as Paul wrote it, prayer should come from gratitude with thanks goes back to that statement by Tim Keller. That's the very expression of our faith. It's this compulsion of knowing how good God is that we act and we, in turn, live out these lives of love and prayer. And that prayer should build unity. Paul talks about that he's praying for this community and encourages them to pray for him. There's this community there. There's a unity in prayer. Here there's equal standing. Paul's this apostle, and yet he's saying, pray for me as I pray for you. There's a common need for God's wisdom, grace, and peace. Now, I think transformation comes not just by sitting here and listening and getting knowledge. I love knowledge as much as the next person, but through action. And I think my awkwardness and my um, discomfort with things, I know personally that becomes easier with repetition and practice. So if you haven't got it yet, we're going to pause right now. And we're actually going to pray as a community. Now, I know that's really tough for some people, so we're just going to pray individually, where you are. I just want to pause for a minute. There's going to be a little bit of music, and I just want you to practice prayer. And I've got some ideas. If this is still hard, it'll come up on the screen. Prayer isn't about getting God to do things for us. It's about participating in what God is doing in us. I love that quote, and that can be something you can think about as you pray. So let's jump to the next one. Let's practice together. Here's some ideas. If you want to pause in this moment, remember our prayer to express gratitude. Start with gratitude. Pray for our community and for specific people. That's what Paul ends his letter with, praying for people like our leaders, Mike and Teresa, who are on holidays at the moment. That's why you've got me, yours truly. But pray for them. We want them to come back renewed and refreshed because... They carry so much of our vision and our heart and lead us here. So, we want wisdom for them and so many good things. And pray that as a community, we'll be dependent on God. We'll align with God's will and purpose, personally and collectively. And that we'll experience God's peace in this hectic society. So, let's pause for a minute together and pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are. This God of love who seeks relationship with us. God, may we remember that every day. May we align ourselves with you and your purpose for us to be living out for others, lives of love. And Lord, may we know your peace. Amen. You see, this morning, I don't want this just to always be a place where we just come and get, you know, hear a message and leave with knowledge. I actually am passionate about being transformed and changed and being a person individually of that. So this morning, I'm going to pause a couple of times and invite you to do different things, to engage with this, because I know we learn best, we change when we actually do something about it. So I encourage you this week. Keep on praying, put it into action daily, moment by moment, pray. Let's keep reading on in chapter four, verse five. It says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive, seasoned with salt, so that you'll have the right response for everyone. Seasoned with salt makes me think like Ryan, Mm, food, (laughs) makes me hungry. But I don't want to tread on Ryan's toes this morning, but I'm interested. I want you to pause now and maybe, Shane did say after the service, but I encourage you now to remember that person's name and talk to them and I want you to share with them the best meal you've ever had. Now you don't have to like, no one's gonna come and quiz you on and be like, really, was that the best? Because that's a big question, a great meal you've had. Share with them, what's a standout meal that you can remember? Go. All right, maybe some people had like the degustation menu. They're still going. And then course 12, we had this with like, maybe you can finish telling them about the other three courses later. But yeah, for me personally, I can remember so many. There's so many great meals and they stand out in my memory. I'm almost salivating thinking of them. I can remember um, beef short ribs and a papaya salad at a Sunshine Coast um, restaurant, Asian fusion. Oh delicious, really spicy, made me sweat a little bit, it was good. Um, This beef, charred over fire, crispy on the outside, but just, you know, red in the middle and just melt in your mouth. Roast lamb, I remember having recently at a friend's place in a Greek salad, delicious. Also tasty, so memorable. Um, And I think that's the thing that stands out about these experiences i go and tell my friends about them oh you should try this it was amazing you recommend it to them i go home and i try and emulate and try and cook this food i had a delicious meal at luke's and i'm like he got it from a restaurant and i was like i reckon i can do that as well and here we are we're copying each other and we're emulating each other and we're we're excited about this and we're trying to share it with other people it's memorable We also remember the blah, I don't know about you, but as a child I grew up eating choco and squash. I don't know, is that even a food? Does anyone still eat that? Confession, one, gosh. Now I remember that, that was traumatic. (laughs) That watery, gelatinous, ugh. There is no redeeming those two foods, I'm sorry. Brussels sprouts, they've even reason, oh no, yes. Like, I used to, like, don't steam them. You've got to do something good with them. Fry them, and I mean, like, drown them in butter. I mean, it's probably more butter than Brussels sprouts, let's be honest. And then season them. Lots of seasoning. Oh, they're good. No, it's that good things, that flavoursome things that we remember. And I think that's what we're touching on here in this verse. Um, N.T. Wright links this same translation of the meaning when he's talking about salt to Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount. We're probably pretty familiar with this um, passage. Here it is here. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. We're here to be flavorsome, to add flavor. N.T. Wright, when I was reading through some of his revisions of this chapter of Colossians, he's saying, don't be boring. That's literally, he's this theologian saying, don't be boring, be interesting. Um, He also says, bring out the best in others. And I think that's what salt does. It's not the hero. It actually heightens the flavors of the other things in the dish. It enhances them. So what's our alternative life look like? It should be flavorsome. We should be like the seasoning on that delicious meal, bringing out the best in others, bringing out the flavors in them. So much so that these people then go out and they tell other people, hey, you should come to this community because they remember our interactions. Not only that, they, they rave about it to others and they try and emulate us and our actions because it meant so much to them that they copy it. They copy that to others and that's how, this, how it spreads. Now, I love stories, so I wanted to share some with you because these experiences stick just like those meals stick. Salty encounters with people, people's seasoning sticks with me, and I'm sure we've all got these stories to reflect on. Recently, I had a significant birthday, and I got a new fire pit, and I needed some seating around it, and I told a friend I'd love some logs. He has a small property And he knew this event was coming, so he's like, I'll get them for your event. He gave me a call. He was like, how many logs do you need? I said, eight. That's a lot, right? (laughs) He he pretended that wasn't a surprisingly large number of logs I wanted for my fire pit, went out that next day, cut them up to my perfect dimensions. How big do you want them, Greg? How tall? And then delivered them. This gift of service and time, generosity of effort, it stuck in my mind. It meant so much to me. A text message I received just last week from a colleague here at Good Life. It was long and detailed and just called out so much of the good in me. It was so encouraging. A church member, this term, I'm helping out with the youth program. We had this idea to build Angry Birds in real life. So build a giant catapult and launch it at cardboard boxes. For anyone, if you don't know what Angry Birds is, don't worry, (laughs) it's a computer game. And I told this a gentleman here about it, and he not only offers to help, he goes and builds this catapult for me and for our youth. And next minute he's like, here it is. And it was amazing. We had so much fun with it. This a generous act of service again that sticks with me. There's a staff member, we ran a kids program just last week and we wanted inflatables here for the kids to play on. So we reach out to a gentleman at Life Point and he generously opens up his the shed for us to borrow any inflatables we want. And I'm I'm there gathering them into the ute. He's helping me load them and I'm surveying their church building in ashes. And yet here he is serving me. And I'm talking about our facility and how it's shared and busy. We have to bump out like on the dot for the pickleball ladies who come in after us. And trust me, you wanna be out on the dot. (laughs) And so next minute he turns up and he's here folding them up, helping me get out of here on time. It's saving me from those ladies. <laughs> and this just generosity that overflows into action and that is memorable, That's that seasoning that sticks with us. I recently interviewed for a mentoring role at a high school here, and one of the questions we had to answer is, have you ever lost your cool at a, at a child? Now, for many of you, you know I'm, I've been a teacher for 16 years in my previous life to here. And I had to sadly say, yep, I have. But you know what was even sadder was not at school. I was a professional there, but I had to say, yep, at home. I've lost my cool lots of times. I come home from work exhausted and tired. And you know, the kids, you know kids, like generally poor hygiene, can't put things away. And then you just say something like true, but mean and cutting and you feel terrible, but then later you go back and you apologize, and they forgive you instantly. One of them will cuddle me. The other one is like, it's okay, Dad. (laughs) Just know it's okay. But then they're just so quick to forgive, and then they empathize with you, and that sticks with me, that forgiveness. Just so quick to show that love and to forgive and see the best in me and see that's not who I truly am. That's what stays with me. So here's our question for us as a Christian community. What's our flavor? What flavor are you going to leave in people's minds after they encounter you? Are they going to remember it for the right reason, not like the choco and the squash? Is it going to be memorable for good reasons? Because it's flavorsome. It brings out the God flavors. It encourages them. They leave changed. Now we're going to jump into the the last part of Paul's chapter 4, his letter here. And he gets into the greetings, the final greetings. And when I first read it, I was like, gosh, what do you do with that? Come on, guys. What a stitch up. But I think there's lots in it. Again, it's for me, it emphasizes the need for community. And Shane touched on it beautifully this morning as well. That's what community is about. An alternate life that Paul... Um, talks about throughout his letter and he talks about a community of service, of maturity, and suffering. Because he himself is writing from prison. And I was like, man, how is suffering? How is that palatable? How do I get that down this morning? I found it very challenging. Our community is an alternate community. And in, back in chapter one, Paul flags it as contrasting society talks about the head of the body being christ not the emperor so our community should actually contrast society so there should be some discomfort we shouldn't be comfortable we shouldn't be thriving in today's society there should actually be suffering some discomfort on our behalf now i think the first ones i think in community here and my reflections I've been engaged here for many years in service, serving across the kids' programs predominantly. And my reflections is more than any sermons and messages I've listened to, that's been what's shaped me and brought maturity is service. I think I can attest to that and I encourage you in that. But the suffering, something I had to think about, how do I sit with discomfort? Because I so often seek comfort. How am I embodying the gospel of a crucified Messiah? This life of love we're called to live, as Tim Keller put, our response is to love. It's a radical love, a radical love. And it got me reflecting back to a series we did last year on the Beatitudes, the nine beats, and the final one was the way of radical love. And it's the summary of all these beatitudes. And I wanted to read, rather than that whole passage, was Mark Scandrett, who was the author and the approach we're taking, how he summed it up. And I think it's here on the screen. Difficulties will come to those who follow his way of life. A way of trust, lament, humility, justice, compassion, right motive, peacemaking and surrender. If you had to summarize the way he, Jesus, lived and taught, you could say it was the way of radical love. If you follow love far enough, you'll be made fun of. You'll be falsely accused and mistreated. Radical love may even cost your life as it cost Jesus his. So what's, I guess for me, my reflection was how am I escaping or how am I constantly trying to seek comfort? because in a community of an alternate community and an alternate life, I should be finding discomfort. I should be rubbing up against popular mainstream society. It should be a little bit uncomfortable at times and I should be okay with that. I should actually acknowledge that and push into it. NT Wright states, it is undesirable and ultimately impossible for any individual Christian or church To go it alone and imagine they have nothing to gain or learn from other Christians and churches the greetings in Paul's letters are to bind them together in love and fellowship so Paul finishes by listing others in that church at Colisee and across the region in the service of God And he calls for this unity. He binds them to him. Paul was this gifted evangelist and this apostle. But I think so much more he was acknowledging is needed in a healthy community. And I love how Paul names people who have meant so much to him and bring different gifts and talents to this community. Other leaders from other churches and other areas. And Paul writes, binding them together, unifying them. So my challenge for you this week, my final challenge, we don't have time to do it now, is to actually write the final, or well, write chapter four in your own words for yourself and for the community you find yourself in. And I've done it, so I wanted to share it with you as an encouragement to, I guess there's some people who I talk about specifically in here. There's a lot of people I haven't mentioned that are obviously so valuable. That always makes me nervous when you, you start saying names but you guys are old and friends so you love me and you think I'm great, right? Um, But yeah, I'd encourage you to do it. And I found an encouragement to myself and filled me with gratitude for the people in my life. But also, part of the reason for sharing it is to encourage those people. You might not wanna share it with everyone because you're not listening to everyone, but share it with those people and encourage them this week. So here it is, this is my summary of chapter four hey good life remember we need god's spirit to transform our hearts to stay close to god through prayer and be grateful don't be defined by the latest fads and fashion and get caught caught up in all the end of financial year sales or get stressed by the rising interest rates and your university marks but talk to god spend time together and reflect on all the great things you have Pray also for the churches across the coast and the team at Good Life as they hold space for anyone and everyone that comes through our centre and show them the goodness of God. Pray for the broader church as they face their own unique challenges, for LifePoint as they continue to be loyal followers of Christ and the vision of their church despite not having a building, for Hillsong as they navigate leadership changes and human failure and brokenness and remind me that we are broken and should never cast the first stone. Remember to live a wise and flavoursome life where everyone we encounter remembers the conversation for the right reasons. How fortunate I am to have a Trish because she is such an encouragement to me. Even when she falls over at the 50 plus disco and severely injures herself, she will tell you, what a great night. And Stephen Jeffs, what a legend. So faithful and diligent in his care and protection of our community. He inspires me. His wife, Ruth, her passion to care for people practically and pray faithfully for this community is incredible. She mentors me. Mike Hardy, are you kidding me? If he watches this, you've scooped up the baton with respect for what has gone before and with enthusiasm and vision for our future. And his wife, Teresa, smashing our kids' ministry. I'm grateful to rub shoulders with people of such character. To the countless volunteers who generously serve our community and create a space where people matter and all are welcome, thank you. Here is my greeting in person. Remember my prison sentence being made to do public speaking while Mike is away. (laughs) May God's grace be with you.